0: Hello mystery and thriller fans, and welcome to J.A. Crawford's Jove Brand is Near Death. My name is Gabe, and this is CamCat Unwrapped. I'll be introducing you to each one of our episodes of J.A. Crawford's debut novel, Jove Brand is Near Death. In this irreverent, action-packed mystery, a failed actor who once disastrously portrayed a famous fictional super-spy is forced to go full method and play the part for real when he is framed for the murder of his celebrated successor. Intrigued? So am I. But that's not the only reason why I'm excited about this story. No. Jove Brand is Near Death is one of those unputdownable books that gets your heart pumping and gears you up for action. It's a book... To live in. In our first episode, we meet Ken Allen, a celebrity personal trainer who has weathered slings and arrows from the world at large for the past 10 years. Rather than letting all the abuse tear him down, it has polished Ken into a lovely human being who is about to have the worst day of his life.
1: Cat Publishing presents Jove Brand is Near Death by J.A. Crawford, narrated by Tim Campbell. One. I was waiting in the wings, staring out at a live studio audience with seven million viewers behind them. And like everything that had ever happened to me worth mentioning, it was because of near death. I looked good for my age. Trim in my salmon blazer over a blue button-down and brushed watercolor tie. Vintage Ken Allen on the bare fringe of pop culture I occupied. For all intents and purposes, I was born in this outfit, and had no doubt I would be buried in it. At least the jacket hid the wet patches under my arms. We might not even need you. The executive producer was hoping for the best, but she didn't keep beautiful downtown Burbank running every Friday night for 30 years without preparing for the worst. Which was why they dug me up. If there was one thing I was good at, it was taking the hit. If the scene needed saving, I would make the perfect sacrifice. Keep an eye on the monitors, come back when the house band wraps up. It wasn't the most tactful way of telling me to get lost, but the guy had a lot on his mind. Just happy to be here, I told him. I'd been living a lie for 18 years, why not keep it going? I turned away from the stage that didn't want me and wandered around behind the scenes following the pre-show progress on the countless monitors mounted in the halls and cramped dressing rooms, both dreading and praying they would need me. On the far side of an open dressing room door, a drop-dead gorgeous woman was doing her own makeup. I didn't mean to stare, but it was hard not to with her making those getting ready faces that for whatever reason I'd always found hotter than anything a woman did after getting ready. She was glamorous in an evening gown that had brand beauty written all over it. She caught me reflecting. Yeah? Sorry, just killing time until someone tells me to go home. What are you here for? Like, who are you? I wasn't offended. All those fuses were blown long ago. I wasn't surprised either. Beautiful downtown Burbank was known for its young cast. I'm nobody, I said. But once upon a time, I was Jove Brand. No, you weren't, she looked up to think, ticking off the timeline on her fingers. First it was the mean guy, so hot, then the prissy guy, before Sir Colin. I was between the prissy guy and Sir Colin. She didn't reply, but her face said it all. Claiming you were Jove Brand was too big of a lie. You'd be better off pretending you were an astronaut or had invented touchscreens. I took my phone off airplane mode and typed Ken Allen near death. It knew what I wanted when I got to the N in near death. The first image result was me 18 years ago pointing a pistol at the camera. I was trying for tough but came off looking confused about how this lemon tasted. Pretend brand beauty, though I suppose they were all pretend, snatched my phone and swiped through the sequence of images that all too accurately told my life story. She stopped on the one of me holding up a container of kick noodles Nice. A week's worth of sodium in one little can. It was one of the ten or so responses I had ready for one-time exchanges. Meet a hundred thousand people sometime and you'll develop a list too. Brand Beauty handed my phone back with an appraising tilt of the head, trying to decide if she liked what she saw. She stroked the front of my salmon blazer. This isn't from props. I brought my own. You got the look, kid. She said, giving my cheek a squeeze. My blessing and my curse. You can't get by on looks alone. I stepped aside to let her pass. She turned back just out of arm's reach. That was when I caught the act. Until then, her performance had been flawless. I'm just screwing with you, Ken. Everyone is so hyped you made it. Near death is such a piece of shit. I love it. I didn't step on her exit. That girl was going places. I hoped they would be good ones. On the monitors, the cold open was crashing hard. The tension in the air said it all. Jove Brand was in the building, and the audience was restless for his entrance. I reminded myself to breathe on the path back to stage right. Jove Brand almost ran me over, but I stepped aside in time. He walked on stage, ready for action, the king of his jungle. Bone dry under glaring thousand-degree spotlights and 14 million eyeballs, Colin Prester, sorry, uh, Sir Colin Prester made a tuxedo look like casual wear. There was acting, and there was acting, and then there was being able to control when you sweat. Whether it came with the British blood or was the product of a Shakespearean theater pedigree, I would never know. Lawndale, California wasn't exactly London, England. The audience went wild. The world's most famous fictional super spy stood before them. Women wanted him, men wanted to be him, and Jove Brand was about to announce his chosen successor to the waiting world. That successor now stepped from the shadows to stand beside me in the wings, waiting for his grand entrance. Niles Ensworth would be the next Jove Brand. He bore the same label as his predecessor, but of modern vintage, with a body sculpted by a strict regimen designed to produce a physique like a special effect, I couldn't fault Niles, he was just giving today's audience what they demanded in a hero. Despite everything Niles had on his mind, I rated a second glance. He had been expecting the Ken Allen of 18 years past, an image imprisoned in cinematic infamy. The kid was a good actor, he was almost able to mask his disappointment. When his cue came, Niles snapped to the present and rushed to join his predecessor on stage. The merest sheen of perspiration betrayed the junior man's anxiety. His calculated display won the audience over. They'd be freaking out, too, if they had been chosen to be the next Jove brand. But the next Jove brand would also have the nerve to mask it. The two brands, old and new, discussed the perks of playing an icon of fiction. You wore tailored clothes while driving luxury vehicles to exclusive locales. You could kill anyone who annoyed you. You always got the girl, who either conveniently died or disappeared between escapades. They played their roles to the hilt, master and apprentice. The production assistants could have ditched their cue cards and snagged a sandwich for all the good they were doing. The problem was, no one laughed. The part of Jove Brand had never been cast based on comedic chops. Fault for the only farcical portrayal of the character landed squarely on me, and no one was looking to repeat that mistake. Sir Colin and Niles were gifted the perfunctory chuckles any incredibly attractive person with half a sense of humor scores, but the audience rapidly cooled as the initial rush of watching two Jove brands together faded. Beautiful downtown Burbank's executive producer white-knuckled his headset, waving me toward the stage like it was a live grenade in need of a warm body. This is what you're here for, isn't it? Yes, yes, it was. A life lesson, go at whatever you're dreading full tilt sprint right into it. The worst thing that could happen was the entire world got to witness the train wreck for time eternal. That your epic failure would become an object lesson studied literally in college courses. That you became a walking punchline. It really wasn't so bad. I exploded onto the stage with a butterfly twist, transitioning into a flurry of fancy kicks, battling through a horde of unseen foes towards Sir Colin and Niles, I kept the phantom attacks wide and slow to ensure the audience could follow along. This was all on me. I'd choreographed the sequence myself, drawing from an arsenal of techniques made instinctual through decades of dogged repetition. If you had enough tenacity, you could fool people into believing it was talent. I hit my mark an arm's length from the two brands, right on the bullseye. My surprise appearance had shocked the audience into complete silence. A small section of the crowd hooted, then the hoots built to applause, and my heart started up again. Some of them were ringers, but the rest sounded like my demographic, hipsters in the know. I stretched the moment, resting my hands on my thighs as if I had come a long way. Pretending to catch my breath let me avoid eye contact, not only with the audience, but also with the two men who were arguably my contemporaries. Sir Colin and Niles turned to face the interloper who had fought his way into their conversation. The consummate pro, Sir Colin, held his expression through the cheers, freezing the scene for as long as it had legs. Meanwhile, my stomach explored heretofore unknown depths. When the crowd quieted, the time had come for me to deliver my first line. Sorry, my good men, I panted. Bike broke down. Asian imports, you know. It was a good thing I was supposed to sound breathless. My American-come-British accent was atrocious. I could have done better, but... Who wanted that? It didn't get a huge laugh, but the audience members in on the joke lost their minds. No one wrote for the audience anymore anyway. They wrote for the internet, for the bloggers, the tweeters, and the streamers. They let the fans explain the references in post-mortem. There was nothing like free labor, and no one worked as hard as someone made to feel smart. How did you get in here? Sir Colin asked. Stressing the did, not the you, kept the question at the appropriate level of condescending. Considering the audience's reaction to my appearance, it was the right choice. Who is he? Niles asked. Sir Colin moved to block the younger man's view. No one worth remembering. Now, as I was saying, a gentleman shoots only once, and never first. I stepped out from behind Sir Colin to add, but he chops as many throats as required. Don't ask me why, but That's when I ad libbed. Not a line, not on live television, I'm not a monster. I offered an unplanned hand to Niles, who furtively extended his own in return. As we were about to touch, I turned my shake into a knife hand aimed at his Adam's apple. Niles hopped back, genuinely shocked. I threw him a wink and a nod, my eyes a little crazy. The big screens facing the audience had been playing a near death highlight montage from the moment I crashed the sketch. Now that everyone was in on the joke that was Ken Allen, the entire studio erupted in laughter at my action and Niles' reaction. It was a dizzying level of hot on stage. I reminded myself not to lock my knees. Sir Colin moved between us again, precise in rhythm and position. The stage was his native turf, the sacred ground he retreated to when he wasn't playing a super spy. He was fighting for Niles' attention now. He always looks his foe in the eyes. The strain in Sir Colin's voice projected concern his successor was learning all the wrong lessons. Then gouges them, I interrupted, darting my fingers at Niles like a striking snake. I mimed a second goofier gouge as Sir Colin put an arm around my shoulders. He turned our backs to Niles for a confidential moment as we switched cameras, me and Sir Colin and the millions watching at home. Kenno boy, I'm trying to impart some wisdom on the lad, Sir Colin said. You understand, don't you? Trust me, I did. Sir Colin had starred in six Jove Brand movies over 15 years, each more successful than the last. If anyone could speak with authority on how to play Brand, it was him. He was so authentic, so genuine, it made me want to leave. But that wasn't the scene. I hoped my attempt at a wide-eyed, thoughtful nod conveyed understanding. Oh, sorry about that, Sir Colin. I forgot to use my crappy British accent, but breaking character fortuitously worked for the scene. The audience roared at every beat. Opening monologues were tough pitches to hit, and the writers had knocked this one out of the park. There's a good man, Sir Colin gave me a pat I liked a little too much, before turning to again address Niles. Now, when a lady demurs, chop gently but firmly, I interrupted again, right where Sir Colin silenced me with a no-look elbow, a short, tight shot measured to be effective, but not punitive. His gentleman's strike sent me airborne. I managed a full rotation from a dead stance and hit the stage flat with a resounding thud. Not trusting myself to appear unconscious, I buried my face in the crook of my arm. The crowd cheered while Sir Colin adjusted his cuffs. And there you have it. He assured the audience they had a great show lined up, though when he announced the musical guest, it was apparent Sir Colin had no idea who they were. When they cut to commercials, I hopped up as the stagehands broke down the set for the next sketch. The executive producer flagged me down with one arm while pumping his fist with the other. He wasn't in the best shape, and the effort turned his face red. You killed it. Don't go anywhere. Prestor is a dud. We might work in a callback. I froze trying to process this as the producer stomped off to put out the next fire. He said two things I hadn't heard in a long time, that I'd done a good job and that I should hang around. I snapped back to reality and headed toward the green room. Niles Ensworth was there sipping a sparkling water, hydrating but not over You never knew when you were going to have to take your shirt off. I shot Niles a friendly, wide-eyed nod as if to say, crazy, huh? But I don't think he saw me. He looked like he was beginning to grasp what it meant to be Jove Brand, his eyes flicking back and forth like he was watching different versions of his future unfold on the monitors. I could relate. Hey, Ken! Ken Allen! I knew who it was without having to look. Lane Lackey, owner and operator of JoveBrandFan.com, the number one place for everything Jove Brand on the web. Lane Lackey, equal parts savior and devil. Ken, it's Lane Lackey from jovebrandfan.com, the number one. Lane, how are you? I spread my arms for a hug and Lane took a step back. There was nothing like over-enthusiasm when it came to setting someone on their heels. You afraid of doorways? The Pass excludes the green room, Lane replied, dangling his lanyard. Can I get a shot of you and Niles Ensworth for the site? A glance back told me Niles would rather drink from the tap than perform fan service right then and there. Producers need Niles for promo crap. I stepped to block Lane's line of fire. Niles slipped past us as if he were late for something. Become an actor and never get work. Become a star and never stop acting. You were great, Ken. Lane always used your name like he had to constantly confirm to himself he was really talking to you. We'll let trending decide. I guided Lane away from the backstage chaos of live television. That in my convention take. I have an appearance in Fresno coming up. Already plugged it on the site, Lane said. The platinum pistol is going to be there too. Well, one of the five originals. Double billing? I was able to keep most of the salt out of my tone. Sounds like they're starting up again. I'll catch the replay, Lane said, adjusting the settings on too much camera. I'm going to run Niles down and ask if he's ever thought about doing conventions. I didn't wish him luck. The brand beauty was on the monitors in a sketch where she brazenly threw herself at Sir Colin, who was more interested in the strapping bartender. He killed it, but got few laughs. Sir Colin was simply too understated for the American audience. I winced at the screen. Watching other people bomb struck my most tender places. It was an empathy thing. I sought solace in Sir Colin's dressing room, telling myself it was out of everyone's way, but that was just me telling myself. The truth was, I wanted to sit in his chair. I wasn't bitter. Sir Colin deserved everything he'd earned. His brand movies really were better than the early ones, though the lens of nostalgia kept the fans from acknowledging it. His performances helped to restore the series to the juggernaut it had been in the 60s and 70s. I wanted to be Sir Colin the way I had once wanted to play guitar in Nirvana. The ability was simply beyond me. It was a pipe dream, only... It wasn't, I had been Jove Brand once. But near death was indeed a piece of shit. Hush lights, wouldn't you say? Sir Colin's voice was purely chummy, but it launched me out of his chair. Sorry, Sir Colin. When in doubt, it was best to come clean, guess you caught me. Sir Colin waved my apology off as he came over to stand with me at the dressing table. Of all the moments we spend in the light, these are the ones I dread the most. Having to face myself, every floor exposed. He was right. His age showed in the bulb-bordered mirror. Joe Brand was not a young man, but he could never be an old one. Four walls and two generations away, the musical guest kicked in as if on cue. If anyone deserved accompaniment, it was Sir Colin. You saved me out there. Thanks, old boy. I don't have range, but I know my role, I replied. I didn't want to do this, you know, Sir Colin said. Every time such an offer is tendered, I tell myself it's more money for the troupe to put on the shows we want. Being Jove Brand has given my fellows a life on the stage. I'd read as much, but took it for PR until that moment. Same here, but I did want to be a great Jove Brand. Problem was, I did my best. Sir Colin laughed as he rested his hands on my shoulders. Without your film, I would not be here, and the fifty men and women I support would have been forced to abandon their dreams. Tonight you again displayed a true player's spirit, putting the show before the man. It was the nicest thing anyone had said to me in eighteen years. I lost my voice. I couldn't even look at Sir Colin. Oh... If you'll excuse me, I'm off to sneak a drag or two before my next sketch, Sir Colin said. I managed a nod as he gave me a last squeeze and left me in reflection. Going purely on appearance, I was the spitting image of Jove Brand as described in the books. The passionless killer, the distant lover, tall and pale with light blonde hair and ice blue eyes, a face and body reminiscent of Renaissance sculpture but sculpture didn't come to life, which also accurately described my acting. I looked more the part now. 18 years ago, I was 18 years too young, but casting had been tight. Near Death's entire pre-production took place on a flight from Kiev to Hong Kong. Had the Internet of today existed then, my tender age would have caused the same uproar it did with Niles Ensworth now. A combination of professional discipline and CGI smoothing had sustained Sir Colin for a spell, but his time had come. Soon he would meet his fate, most likely during a pre-credit sequence. And the alias of Jove Brand, Royal Gamesman, would be passed to Niles. The executive producer burst into the dressing room, breaking my self-indulgent reverie. "I didn't do it," I swear. I said, "Where the hell is Sir Colin?" The executive producer bent over to rest his hands on his knees. The dash to the dressing room had left him about a burpee away from a heart attack. I checked the monitors. The beautiful downtown Burbank regulars were dying on stage as they fumbled through a cut sketch. He left like five minutes ago, I said to his back. I trailed after him, hunting for one of the most recognizable faces in the world. The EP was coordinating the show and the search simultaneously through his headset. Go to break while we set up the house band. I don't care. Wait, the national anthem, it makes everyone clap. We checked the coat room, then the coke room, but found no sign of Sir Colin. The EP leaned against the wall to stay on his feet. Hey, Listers, he wheezed. He was worried about the show, but I was worried about Sir Colin. Stage royalty didn't miss their mark. Sir Colin did not require an understudy. Sir Colin was his own stand-in. Then I remembered. He went to smoke. The EP almost bowled me over reversing course, but When we hit the stairs up to the roof, I overtook him, ascending the flights in bounds, ignoring the handrail as I regulated my breath. While I came off as having Asperger's in reflective close-up, I owned interval cardio. I hip-checked the door, expecting resistance, but it blasted open. Instinct, forged by 30 years on the mat, sent my forearm up to block the backswing. The bare bulb above the doorway cut into the night sky. Sir Colin was on his knees at the edge of the light clutching at his collar. The asthmatic EP had me thinking heart attack. Then I saw the bloody pits where Sir Collins' eyes should have been. I gotcha, I said, reaching for where he was groping. It wasn't his collar he was looking to open. It was his airway. Sir Collins Adam's apple was crushed, his throat swollen past his jawline. I tore his shirt open, spraying buttons everywhere. He was turning blue. His state triggered uncomfortable flashbacks, It was happening all over again, and all over again I was helpless to stop it. I forced him onto his back and rifled through his pockets, praying he was a cigar smoker. The EP finally caught up. When he saw Sir Colin, he coughed up a string of curses. My heart plunged when I found a case of custom gold-banded cigarettes. You got a knife? Sir Colin was gulping air like a fish out of water. The EP wasn't doing much better. I jumped to my feet and patted him down. Call 911. Do you carry a knife? Why? Why? Near death, and everything it cost, flashed before my eyes. This isn't the first time I've run into this, we need to cut his airway open. I scanned the roof, hoping for a toolbox, but didn't spot so much as a doorstop. The neighboring building had a broken window, but the glass shards were out of reach. I dodged, knocking heads with the EP and yelled down the stairs for medical. All the while, Sir Colin was drowning on dry land, kicking and clawing at the gravel. I tilted his head in an attempt to open his airway to no avail. There was nothing else left but to talk to him. I took my lines straight from cliche. Hold on, stay with me, Sir Colin. His lips were moving, mouthing the same windless word over and over, but I couldn't make out what word. I wish I could say Sir Colin went peacefully, but he fought until the end, groping and scratching, gasping and pleading. Sir Colin Prester died in my arms on that rooftop. His eyes gouged out and his throat crushed, just like the villain at the end of near death. Two. The cops showed no mercy to craft service. Anything edible bore a partial set of prints minimum. I'd idled in a state of low-level hunger my entire adult life, but right then my stomach was howling out for fatty protein, loud enough for my interviewer to hear. That you, Alan? State Special Crimes Investigator Ava Stern was a top cop-casting dream, built like a fitness model and overflowing with New York attitude. Methodically disheveled in no-makeup makeup, makeup, she balanced competence with apathy. Everyone in this town was playing a part. Such was the nature of the place. Play a part long enough and eventually you became it. Yeah, I apologized. It goes one of two ways. You either lose your appetite or find it. Stern paused to make eye contact, when it comes to murder. Sir Colin Prester, celebrated star of the stage and screen, had been murdered. No matter how many times I repeated the thought, I couldn't absorb it. Let's run through it again, Special Investigator Stern said. And remember, you aren't under arrest. I know, I said. Then retold the events beginning from my encounter with Sir Colin in the dressing room. The next time through, Stern backed me up to start for my performance on stage. Then she put the interview on shuffle, skipping ahead, doubling back, repeating herself. I was theorizing Stern had ADHD when it dawned on me. She was trying to trip me up. It didn't bother me because I didn't do it. I had nothing to hide. I liked Sir Colin. I wanted to help catch his killer. That's how stupid I was. I only left out one detail, the one that made me look guilty. Sir Colin was killed exactly how the big bad went out in near death. As crazy as it sounded, it couldn't be a coincidence. A coincidence was two guys with the same name getting hit by the same type of car. It was not getting your eyes carved out and throat crushed before dying in the arms of the guy who did it in a movie 18 years earlier. Okay, Stern said. She rubbed her forehead to show she was thinking, but not hard enough to actually stretch her skin. You didn't spend all that time moisturizing to go around pulling on your face. You going anywhere? For an air-headed instant, I thought Stern was asking me out. Then I realized, as the last person to see called on alive, I was the prime suspect. There had been plenty of time for me to do the deed while the EP was crawling up the stairs. Stay calm, Ken, I thought. While you do have blood on your hands, you do not have eyeball juice, or whatever it was called. I'm in Fresno next weekend for a con. Fresno is fine, Stern replied, but stay in the state. You're a witness. Stern played it well, leaning close and employing a confidential tone to let me know we were on the same side. I wondered if she always wanted to be a cop or had fallen short in a quest for the big screen. She could have passed for 30, but in this town, a woman had to look 22. I faced the rising sun with an empty stomach and blood on my clothes. At least until Forensic showed up to seize everything I was wearing. Props sent over some replacements. The EP knew better than to talk to me, Instead, he threw me half-suspicious, half-apologetic glances, while no doubt calculating the ratings bump beautiful downtown Burbank would get off airing Sir Colin Prester's final performance. I made it to my car without being detained and dug the hand sanitizer out of my gear bag. It was terrible for your skin, but I didn't skimp. There's no evidence, I told myself, because you didn't do it. I tried not to think about all the based-on-true stories where innocent people died in prison. If they came after me, I didn't have the fame, influence, or wealth to defend myself. No one stopped me when I started the engine. No one jumped on my hood as I drove off. I was home in 15 minutes and in the shower for an hour, scrubbing every trace of Sir Colin away. Everything in me wanted to go hide under the covers, but that tactic never got me anywhere. So I made my smoothie a double, running the net carbs twice to be sure, and drank it in the car on the way to my scheduled session. My clients often kept me waiting, but the other way around was professional suicide. Trainers were a dime a dozen in this town, though my shtick rated two bits, fight with Jove Brand himself. For the first time in three years, the gate guard called up to confirm access. Word had gotten out. The first cancellation would get the ball rolling, if they didn't catch Sir Collins' killer, and fast. I was headed from the D-list to the back-list. I parked in the sublevel garage between the rest of the HELPS vehicles and the riding mowers. My guest code still worked, so that was something. Of all the things they possessed worth envy, Redacted's private gym was at the top of my list. There was enough mat to sponsor a gymnastics team, a bag for every practical purpose, and a buffet of functional resistance equipment. The space had good airflow without a hint of chlorine from the pool next door. Opposite of said pool were float and cryotanks, It was my dream gym, down to the choice of towels. This was no coincidence. I had designed it at Redacted's request. I moved through a stretch sequence, also of my creation, getting loose without breaking a sweat. If you wanted to keep this gig, you could never appear to be working harder than a client. These were people who lived in a state of constant, brutal comparison. Framing yourself as competition was filling your own pink slip. The dark cloud that had occupied the airspace above my head for 18 years thundered to life. Would Sir Colin's death spark renewed interest in the darkest chapter of Jove-Brand lore? There was no digging into near-death, I told myself. Its skeletons were buried a continent away, 18 years deep. And if I had any say, it was going to stay that way. I unfocused, slipping into meditative space as techniques flowed on autopilot, Chaining in combinations, internalized by a lifetime of study. They didn't keep me from replaying Sir Colin's last breaths over and over. What had he been trying to say? Redacted broke my trance. Wow, show me that one. Sure, I was warming it up for you, I lied. I ran Redacted through the motions a step at a time. Redacted had studied dance alongside acting, so it was easier. In actuality, that's what screen fighting was, a sequence of movements performed in time with one or more partners. The more steps you could string together without stopping, the better. If Ginger Rogers were alive today, she'd be a huge action star. After this spin, you want the audience to know it's really you, I explained. When you snap your head around, that's your expression moment. I played camera while Redacted went through the sequence again. Slower, perfect. Now, instead of intense, try confidently amused. Redacted nailed it this time, smirking as they stuck the landing. That's it, I said, punching my opposite palm. That's your hero shot. Redacted gave me an innocent, big-eyed smile known the world over. They followed it with their signature pout when I said, Okay, let's do some work. Redacted was leaning up for filming, so I put them through intervals, hitting the muscle groups evenly to maintain proportion and symmetry. Then we spent an hour on the mat. Redacted liked a little contact, on me, not them, but I didn't mind getting hit. Hope sprung I was going to get away clean, but during the cool down, they started asking questions. So were you really with him when he died? It was such a this-town way of asking, half-challenge and half-disbelief. i had spent the entire workout formulating my answer, rehearsing a blend of frightened and earnest. I'm not sure what I can say with the cops and network. I don't want to get sued. If there was anything a famous person could relate to, it was a lawsuit. My guess how Redacted would reply was right on the money. Oh, I'm not going to tell anyone, Ken. This is just for me. Baloney. Redacted would be relaying every word with their own embellishments to their nutritionist within the hour. I was walking a tightrope. If I didn't give them what they wanted, I would be fired. If I did, word would get out I couldn't keep my mouth shut. I was good at my job, but I wasn't special. This town was bursting with boutique services. There were a thousand stuntmen who would have gladly thrown me off a roof to take my place. It was time for PR rule number one, get ahead of the story. I can't, I might be a suspect. Redacted ate it up. Oh my God, juicy. I'm going to text you my ghostwriter's number, like right now. Trust me, there's stuff you're going to forget you'll wish you remembered later. I had no doubt said Ghostwriter would be sending their drafts Redacted's way. Oh, wow, that's awesome. Thanks. Time for your post-workout. Redacted ran off to meet with their nutritionist slash dealer, and I was out the door unscathed. My workday done. Expanding my client base would only cost me money. The more exclusive I was, the more I banked. When I started private sessions, I made the mistake of charging too little. Missy Cazale, who always had been and always would be smarter than me, straightened me out. Her advice earned me a living. Chalk up another addition to the tally of things I could never pay her back for, starting with near death. Sitting in traffic on the drive home lulled me into a trance. My thoughts drifted on their own accord. What would Sir Colin's death mean for the Jove brand franchise? Eighteen years ago, the three of us had saved it. Missy, me, and above all, Kit. Two of us were still paying the price kit paid with his life i cranked the ac and slapped myself awake always keep it as cold as you could stand it maintaining your core temperature burned calories it also helped keep me alert eight hours had passed since sir colin died in my arms by now there were sure to be cameras on my condo to my shock lane lackey wasn't parked on my curb instead there were two broadcast vans, engines idling and dishes deployed I timed the garage door opener to allow me to drift inside without breaking. Too fast looked guilty, too slow could be interpreted as an invitation. I didn't want to appear to be fishing for an interview because I sure as hell wasn't. I made sure no one slipped under the overhead door before checking the other doors and windows. I needed to straighten up. The vultures were going to break in the first chance they got. Didn't want people thinking Ken Allen was born in a barn. I intended to sit down for five minutes A pounding at the door woke me up six hours later. I didn't even get up to pee. Considering my age and the amount of water I drank, that was saying something. The peephole put special investigator Ava Stern in perspective, making her appear both close and far away. My first instinct was to let her knock. If she had a warrant, she would have kicked in the door by now. But the vans parked on the street were recording, so I let her in before the press could report I was refusing to talk to the police. Stern nodded toward the vans as she closed the door. You're drawing flies. They do love this crap. Gotta hit the bathroom. Lock the door, would you? I turned my back on her and headed down the hallway. She would poke around, but there was nothing to find, which was maybe worth a few points in the Ken Allen is not the killer column. My bladder was halfway empty when I caught the cracked door in the mirror. Want to check before I flush? I asked. That and the toilet tank? Stern replied. You won't find any gear. I don't use it or move it. I could care less, Alan. It was a believable enough lie. This town ran on illegal performance enhancers and thermogenics. In the general sense, Stern didn't care, but in the specific one, a drug charge would give the cops cause to shake my condo through a sifter. Should they find evidence of murder during said search, well, what a happy accident that would be. I didn't bother with a shirt. Stern couldn't suspect a concealed weapon if there was nowhere to conceal one. Water, coffee, coffee low-carb smoothie? Gluten-free? You roll this place, you won't find a gluten. Then sure, Stern said. I slammed 16 ounces of water before starting on our smoothies, gathering everything I needed, slow and easy, with both hands in view at all times. Stern stood on the far side of the half-wall countertop, which didn't quite hide her holster. In any other place, she would have been tall, but here she was average height. Funny thing about this town, its giants lacked stature, Talent could be measured by the formula of success over inches. The farther a guy was from six feet while still being on top, the more impressive his resume would be. That was for men. For women, it was years over 25 instead of inches under 72. Stern was around my age and three fingers under my height. She didn't have kids, not with those lustrous locks, all hers, no extensions, which were a red that didn't work on camera. Her eyebrows and skin tone confirmed it was her natural color. The faint lines around her eyes and corners of her mouth were signs she hadn't had much work done. And no one would have chosen a nose with so much character. It would have pigeonholed you right from the start. My first impression was Stern displayed the right amount of effort. Enough to care without looking like an experiment in cybernetics. To be fair, this was coming from a guy who was about to have back to back liquid meals. Still, the subject merited further study. Stern wrapped up her evaluation the same time I got done with mine, me pretending to be focused on blending the smoothies and her pretending to give a hoot. I wasn't about to speak first. I didn't have anything to say, and had also spent enough time in Asia to know not to break the silence. She took me setting her smoothie on the half wall as a sign. I have some questions. Stern watched my reaction as she took her first drink. There's no sugar in this? I know what I'm doing. The EP says he didn't pass anyone coming down the stairs. Stern said. That's not a question. Did anyone pass you on the stairs? I shook my head. You sure? I would have noticed. Yeah, it's a tight squeeze. Stern took another drink. She looked at the glass this time like I was playing some kind of smoothie prank on her. Heard you vaulted right up them. Sir Colin disappeared during a live broadcast. I was worried about him. Worried? Why? Why? Stern leaned in slightly, interested for the first time. Sir Colin was a theater guy. If he missed the call, something was wrong. You and him close? The only conversation we ever had was minutes before in his dressing room. I stared Stern straight in the eyes and told the truth. I liked Sir Colin. I didn't kill him. I didn't say you did, Stern replied. She was into the smoothie despite herself and stopped for more. I spent my sack time learning all about Ken Allen. Always nice when a beautiful woman thinks about you in bed. The words rushed out before I could stop them. Who knows where they came from? Too many movies, maybe. Or maybe I hoped Stern would interpret my frivolity as a sign of innocence. Either way, she didn't budge an inch. I wanted to know, why you? For brand, I mean. Try jovebrandfan.com, I suggested. I did. Then you know I wasn't the first pick. Yeah, the first choice overdosed, Stern said. Making you the only guy in Hong Kong who fit Brand's description. Stern left out that my also-ran died in the Ukraine while I was in China. Still, it left me defensive. Rumor has it the same thing happened with Niles Ensworth. Sir Collins' first successor committed suicide. Revealing Niles Ensworth on live television was damage control. If Lane Lackey is to be believed, Taking a drink slowed my reply, but I had to get the mixture down before the oil in it separated.
0: As much as I hate
1: to admit it, Lackey knows what he's doing. If he wasn't obsessed with Jove Brand, he could be a real journalist. Being a big-time martial arts expert must have helped your chances way back when. Placing third in forms didn't exactly make me Chuck Norris. Third is something for a white guy in Hong Kong. Stern tilted her glass to toast me. And you kept it up. Ken Allen... Sensei to the stars. I chugged the remainder of my smoothie. My clients get to say Jove Brand trains them. I get to keep in fighting shape for a living. That's the thing, isn't it? Stern commented. There's stage fighting and there's real fighting. JoveBrandFan.com says you're legit. Beat up an MMA pro in a bar three years back. There was no point denying it. That was the thing about fighting. Tell people you're good and you're full of yourself. Tell people you're not and you're humble bragging. It was a juice bar, and I wasn't charged with anything. Also, he ended up in prison over what he did to that barista. It's helped that someone put the video online. You rolled right over him. I went to the sink to rinse out my glass. Do something long enough, you get good at it. How good? I scoped Stern's casual but loaded stance, the state of her hands, forearms, and elbows, the fit of her slacks the way her sidearm was holstered and its oversized trigger guard. Everything matched what I guessed about her background. Good enough to know you do Krav Maga. Stern skipped a beat, her mouth open. It was the first genuine expression I got out of her. That's pretty good. The compliment bounced right off me. Stern set down her empty tumbler and turned toward the living room. I washed her glass right away to keep from having to scrub it later. When I joined her, she was studying my shelves. Movie buff, Stern said. She was leaning forward a little, her jacket concealing whether her hand was on her service weapon. No more than anyone else in this town. Lots in noir, I couldn't help but laugh. You think I've been taking murder lessons? You wouldn't be the first. Stern kept her left side, the side opposite her weapon, toward me. She traced the disc cases with the same hand, keeping it high in the event she had to clear or brace. All the other brand films, but no near death. If you saw it, you'd know why. I sat down because there were no good places to stand. Stay on her left and I was blocking the door. Join her and I was inside her safety zone. I started it in the car, Stern said. Don't tell me how it ends. You're watching it because you already know how it ends. I kept my hands in my lap. Not behind my head or on the back of the couch or anywhere else where I could produce an Uzi. I got it spoiled for me last night, Stern admitted. Kind of grisly for my tastes. Mine too, but near death was filmed right before the wire work revolution. The more graphic stuff was in back then. Tight shot limb breaks, all that jazz. Kit Calabria asked me to come up with a finish with two beats. One move, space for a one-liner, then another move. I shrugged with my palms up. I was young. Kit Calabria was the producer? What the hell was wrong with me? Why was I putting Kit on Stern's radar? And writer, and director. His family owns the film rights to Jove Brand. Didn't he die before near-death was released? Stern wasn't writing anything down, which told me this wasn't news to her. His plane crashed right after he delivered the reels. The thing about old lies was that after a while they felt like the truth. Sounded like it too. But that final sequence was your idea. Guilty, I confessed. There was no point denying it. Along with the leading role in Near Death, I was also credited as fight choreographer. But the sequence isn't realistic. You know as well as I do, there are more efficient techniques. Yeah, Stern replied. She was checking for dust, noting what I'd recently watched. She stopped to read the back of the latest niles Endsworth action vehicle. I really should have cleaned. The killer must have wanted to make a statement. There are also less messy ways. I said, holding up my hands. Stern looked past my hands at the rest of me. Sir Colin rough you up? And his confusion, I mean. I should have put a shirt on after all. I had a private session this morning. My client likes to play rough. Stern nodded absently as she looked around the room. Are you into memorabilia? I do the convention circuit. Comic books, pop culture shows, take photos, sign stuff. There's money in that for a guy at your level. I don't do it for the accolades. Anyway, people like to give you presents. If the fans found out you were selling or throwing stuff out, they'd revolt. It sort of piles up. All Jove brand related. What else would it be? Model white stags, replica quarrelers, custom action figures. Some guy gave me a disturbingly photorealistic painting of me and Missy Cazale sans clothing you think he would have emphasized Missy, but I'm definitely the focus of the composition. For the first time in a while, Stern stopped to study me. How about gloves? I didn't like where this was going. Gloves? That's one of those things, isn't it? Tropes or whatever. Like how Jove Brand always puts on gloves before the big chase scene. If you did motorcycle stunts, you'd wear gloves too, I replied. Anyone ever give you gloves? I searched my memory before answering. This was one of those moments you saw on true crime shows. The suspect said no, he'd never worn gloves in his life, then later it's revealed he had an extensive mitten collection. In six years? I don't know, maybe. I'd have to check. I can help you look, Stern suggested. Her phone went off and kept me from making the horrible decision of accepting her offer. Duty calls. Thanks for your time, Alan. Stern's fixation on handwear was wrinkling my brain. You want a keto coffee for the road? I'm about to make one for myself. Stern wanted to say no, but remembered the smoothie. What kind of butter? Scottish grass-fed. How can I refuse? Stern followed me to the kitchen. I was careful not to make any sudden movements while I ground the beans, pressed the brew, then blended the butter, vanilla, and cinnamon into it. I didn't sweat losing a travel mug. I had the feeling this wasn't the last time I was going to see her. During the whole process, Stern took more than one glance toward the side door, concerned she had triggered my flight response. You found gloves, I said. In the alley next to the studio, chamois, lined with cashmere. Jove, Brands, handwear of choice. I went to take a sip of coffee, but my hand was shaking a little, so I set the cup back down. No getting prints off the insides of those. Stern took a sip, her hands steady, and gave an appreciative nod. That's good coffee. Have fun in Fresno. Don't leave the state, Mr. Allen. Three. I spent the next week sneaking in and out of my own condo while ignoring my phone. Lane Lackey won the harassment award, calling or texting every two hours. Three years ago, I'd experienced a brief resurgence of fame when the cell phone video of my not-really-a-fight was posted online, but it was nothing compared to the attention I was getting now. No one outright called me a murderer, but they drew an outline a kindergartner could have colored in. I was the last person to talk to Sir Colin Prester and the first person at the murder scene. None of the dozen witnesses who came up the stairway leading to the single door to the roof passed anyone coming down. The only notable event in my murky, violent past was failing at the role Sir Colin restored to worldwide acclaim. Then it leaked... How Sir Colin was killed. No one knew for sure who broke the seal, though my guess was beautiful downtown Burbank's executive producer. After the first trickle, the reports poured in. In true this-town fashion, new information was presented in a series of dramatic reveals. First, no murder weapon was found. Next, an unnamed source stated no murder weapon would be found because Sir Colin's murderer had used their bare hands. Then half a dozen people came forward anonymously to confirm the nature of Sir Colin's fatal injuries. The internet did the rest. Highlights of near-death started trending on all platforms. The video clip of me as Jove Brand finishing off General Moon Sue got 21 hits a second for 96 hours. A micro-expression expert, whatever that was, Broke down every second of Sir Colin and me on beautiful downtown Burbank's stage, frame by frame. That squint right there was the moment Ken Allen broke, they informed the host. When the corner of Ken Allen's mouth turned down, he became a murderer. Ken Allen foreshadowed his intentions when he threatened Niles Ensworth's eyes and throat on stage in front of millions, mere moments before the murder. Look at his sweat flow. Ken Allen was a man on the edge, and Sir Colin unwittingly pushed him off. Then the memes started, crafted from stills and gifs ripped from near death. Montages of all the throat chops, hard loops of gouging into chopping with blinking text displaying catchy phrases like, franchise killer. Skillful photoshops of Sir Colin's face pasted over General Moon Sue's, A recut of near death's chase scene with the words, what's next for Ken Allen, captioned over it. My Wikipedia entry was edited every ten minutes, My profession kept getting changed to fugitive. Someone inserted a fake fight record of one win and zero losses, with my lone win being over Sir Colin Prester by fatality. A pro wrestling fan listed my signature move as the eye gouge throat chop. After the moderators locked it, my entry reverted to what Lane Lackey had written years back. Ken Allen is an American actor and martial arts expert best known for playing Jove Brand in the foreign-only release Near Death. Chosen for the famous role based on his strong resemblance to the character, as well as his physical ability, Alan was an unknown at the time of his casting. A cultural oddity, Allen's sole film credit to date is the lead role in one of the largest movie franchises of all time. He is also known as the sensei to the stars. Citation needed. While all that was true, it made my landing the part of Jove Brand come off as a Cinderella story. A triumph after a grueling audition process, instead of what actually happened. The truth was, I was the only warm body in Hong Kong who fit the bill. Kit Calabria was desperate. His first choice was dead of an overdose, and no other actor would touch the role for fear of being blacklisted by the studios. Kit had 30 days to wrap production or lose the franchise his father had helmed for 30 years. Plain and simple, near death was an act of triage, an emergency procedure to stabilize the patient long enough to get them expert treatment. Kit and I kept the franchise alive. We did what we had to do and paid the price in full. His estranged sister Dina and Sir Colin restored it to health. Thanks to the social media justice system, I lost two of five clients with no chance of replacing them. Reddit compiled a complete timeline that proved I definitely did it, along with a psychological profile cementing my motives. The conspiracy crazies pointed to my time in Hong Kong as evidence I was a foreign agent tasked with eliminating Sir Colin Prester to tank the franchise. So, the Chinese film industry could take it over. I needed a lawyer, but couldn't afford one. Every media outlet you could think of wanted an interview. The offers for an exclusive were rapidly rising, but I knew better than to take the bait. Appearing on camera was profiting off Sir Colin's death. It also looked bad, which was a distant second to my sheer disgust. As much as I wanted to, I couldn't afford to skip the convention in Fresno. I cleaned my condo like it was going on the market before performing a walkthrough worthy of a brand film. Everything worth anything went in the attic. A ladder wouldn't fit in the only closet with attic access. If you couldn't do a muscle-up, you weren't getting in there, and guys who sat in a van for a living couldn't do a muscle-up. I took four corner photos of each room, powdered every knob and pull. I passed a sleepless night staring at the ceiling. My condo wasn't much, but it was all I had. It was going to hurt coming home to find it in ruins. I left for Fresno before sunrise on Friday. It would get me to the convention center early, but if I waited any longer, commuter traffic would make me late. My level of celebrity didn't merit a second pass if my booth was empty on the first. I couldn't afford to miss a single fan. Convention appearances barely covered my health insurance, much less legal coverage. I didn't really have fans, not in the traditional sense. My presence was a curiosity. A quirky detail in the story of what she did last weekend. The 10th photo in the Facebook album labeled Conventions 2016. People hated hipsters, but they paid my bills. May the God none of them believed in bless them. Who knew a guy could scrape by on irony? Four hours of driving and I didn't so much as turn on the radio. Instead, I spent the whole time devising a plan to prove my innocence. The results weren't encouraging. There were things that made me appear less guilty, like trying to save Sir Colin. But that could also be explained as a guy who lost his temper in the heat of the moment trying to save his own skin after waking to what he had done. Despite my tough talking at Stern, everything I knew about the criminal justice system came straight from the screen, including the expression, the criminal justice system. Now I was on my way to being one of those stories ripped from the headlines. Three broadcast vans trailed me north, and why not? They could write off the mileage, and what if they hit the jackpot and I made for Tijuana? I dreaded what was waiting for me at the convention center. My appearance schedule was posted at jovebrandfan.com. My badge got me access to guest parking, no way the showrunners would pull me. Conventions were all about attendance. They were our modern sideshows. Except instead of the wolf boy and the bearded lady, there was the guy who was in that one thing and the lady from the magazine you found in the woods. If a peek at the one Jove brand who murdered another Jove brand got warm bodies through the door, so be it. After a check to make sure there was nothing in my car I minded losing, I shouldered my merch and headed for my table. Everyone was setting up, which gave them an excuse not to make eye contact. Though I had broken bread with most of the other guests, my loaf had gone moldy. Ewan was already at our table when I got there. My former co-star was now my convention partner. Like me, Ewan was cast solely on appearance. Slap a goatee and top bun on Bruce Lee, and you'd have the villain of near death. My once arch enemy was now my closest friend. Shared experience has that kind of power. When Yuen saw me, he raised his hands in surrender. Don't kill me, man. I'm just a poor boy from Kowloon making my way in the world. The hoarseness of Yuen's voice undercut his wide-eyed innocence. It wasn't the result of aging. He'd had a musical lilt once before he met me. Shut up, I told him. Tossing my bags on the table, Ewan kept his hands up. Better not make you mad. I got four kids, maybe more. Your sister, she got any good-looking dark-haired sons? I sorted the eight-by-tens into piles. I don't have a sister, you know that. Damn, man. Your mom, she really takes care of herself. I laughed against my will, which made Ewan grin, which made me laugh more. With a mug like his, you couldn't blame him, no matter how much he deserved it. The cops give you a work release? Time off for good behavior, I replied. As I lifted the table skirt to catch my bags, Ewan put a hand on my shoulder. My eyes were drawn to the ragged scar below his Adam's apple, a line leading to a puncture reminiscent of a sunflower. Eighteen years and I still couldn't look at him without feeling a fresh stab of guilt. Ewan bent down to meet my eyes. I know you're innocent. Yeah, was all the reply I could manage. The tension inside me felt like a bolt wrenched past stripping. It had steadily tightened from the night Sir Colin was killed, ratcheting a helplessness I hadn't experienced since near death hit the internet. That someone believed I wasn't a killer brought overwhelming relief. Ewan gave a dismissive wave. The shit people say to you with these things and you haven't killed any of them. The weekend is yet to begin, I grumbled. We hung the banner together. While Ewan hooked up the TV-DVD combo, I gave the spread a last once over. There's a print missing. Is there? Ewan ducked down to check under the table. Guess I forgot a stack at home. It was a touching but futile gesture. The missing print was a still taken from a scene that was currently getting over 70,000 hits an hour. And Ewan didn't do these shows for fun. He really did have four kids. Put them out, I said. Ewan grinned from ear to ear as he uncovered a box. I ordered a triple run. These are going to flip like flapjacks. The print in question was landscape style. I'm on the left as Jove Brand in my salmon blazer sans tie, a casualty of the zipline fight. The red slash across my forehead and down my cheek is a souvenir of General Moon Sue's bladed hemline. My tattered shirt provided a clear view of my sculpted midsection. You and his General Moon Sue was on the right, resplendent in his silver Mandarin robe. He was dramatically exhaling as the edge of my left hand caught him square on the Adam's apple. Blood bloomed from his eye sockets like twin poppies. The composition wasn't bad, and we looked great. Static and silent, the shot could pass for a real Jove brand film. It was near death, summarized in a single photo. With my primary ensemble currently bagged in police lockup, I was forced to rely on my backup costume. You never knew when you were gonna get someone on your clothes. I got into wardrobe, buttoning up the baby blue shirt and knotting that awful tie before slipping on my signature salmon jacket. My brand skin on, I shook my muscles out as if I were bracing for a punch. The rank odor of microwaved fish invaded my space. Ewan was already cracking the Tupperware. I watched him shovel down shrimp and inhale sticky rice. How can you eat so much and never break 135? I burn it off dancing like no one is watching, Ewan replied. Ewan made sure the volume was muted before hitting play. Neither of us possessed the level of masochism it took to listen to near death on a loop for three days. It was cringeworthy imagining what Kit Calabria went through in a Hong Kong editing booth, scrambling to transmute a lead balloon into a golden parachute. Near Death opened with the passing of my predecessor. The brand before me had filmed his exit during the production of A Beautiful Disaster, his final film. What was another $20 million on top of the most expensive, adjusted for inflation, brand film to date? Tacking that polished sequence onto the front of near-death was like having Yo-Yo Ma open for a high school marching band. Those ten minutes cost more than the ninety that followed them. The film proper opens with my trial sequence. Every new brand has one in their debut, an action set piece that ends with a journeyman agent being promoted to royal gamesman and adopting the alias of Jove Brand. In near-death, my trial sequence consisted solely of me doing endless kata while a stuntman ran out of the shadows and into one of my feet every ten seconds. Tender, head of Warden, Brand's secret section, in his one-scene appearance, watched the somehow already edited sequence on his product-placed laptop. Pausing the video on a close-up of my screaming face, he said, He'll have to do. Truer words were never spoken. In Near Death, Jove Brand and Tender didn't ever appear in the same shot, one of many unique occurrences in the 19-film series. We weren't even in the same country. According to JoveBrandFan.com, Walter Morris was watching a rugby game on that laptop. It had been 15 years since Sir Colin's debut and a brand film with a trial sequence. Fan expectations on the next one were sky-high, considering the fight sequences in Raid the Roof. Niles Ensworth's indie breakout role. With a shoestring budget in a country and ocean from OSHA, Niles did all his own stunts, including the parkour. The scene where the fire escape collapsed was real. Niles's right pinky was now permanently crooked from grabbing the window ledge that saved his life. But Raid the Roof came out of nowhere and Niles Ensworth with it, absent online fanfare. His brand's trial sequence would air in the clickbait era, which meant it would be the first to face the speculators, the leakers, and the trolls. I pitied the poor bastard. Security cracked the doors and the tide was unleashed. Even way in the back, we could hear the rumbling wave of excitement. We didn't expect to see action for a few hours. Our table sat in a distant corner, past the vendors, feature booths, and actual stars. The bulk of our traffic usually came on Sunday, when the weekend pass holders explored every nook and cranny in search of things to do. It wasn't five minutes before we got our first customers. Two college-aged guys dressed to the nines in full white tie, one of Jove Brand's signature costumes. JoveBrandFan.com was correct in reporting that when you signed on to play Jove Brand, you were barred from wearing white tie in any other film. This wasn't an issue for me. I was in white tie for maybe 30 seconds, and only then because the infamous brand rights contract demanded it. It was a rental that barely fit, You could make out about four inches of cuff in one shot. Kit had to fill me from the waist up to keep my socks from showing. You're here, sweet, the left fan said. He gave our table a polite browse before saying, We just want a picture. Buy one or take one. It's 20 bucks, Nguyen replied. It was only natural he played the bad cop. But buy something and we'll sign it, I added. Of course, they had to run to the ATM. A gaggle of college girls immediately replaced them, each dressed in a shimmering evening gown. How much for all of us? The bravest one asked while the others stole glances. I hoped I had resting innocent face. Four people, 80 bucks, Ewan said, quadrupling our profit without skipping a beat. He never developed a tolerance for our fan base, and his eyes treating us like a sideshow attraction made them the rubes. Ewan tucked the money away and started around the table, but the girls stopped him. Just Ken, is that okay? You're the boss, Ewan shrugged. You want me to take it? I know my angles, the pack leader replied, shaking out her hair. The girls huddled around me, each of them striking a kung fu pose. It took six attempts to satisfy the pack leader. They didn't try to talk to me at all, except one girl who thanked me over her shoulder as an afterthought. The white tie guys had been waiting their turn. Just you, the left one said to me. Can you do like a double chop? Ewan caught my expression and answered for me, no problem. This was a first. I arranged a guy on each side, slightly behind me. Looking intensely at the one on my left, I extended my flattened hand across his neck. To keep them in frame, the right one got more of a forearm. Ewan counted down from three. On one, both guys rolled their eyes back and lolled out their tongues. They were thrilled with the result. The next customer came before I was back behind the table. I froze when I saw him. He was dressed like Sir Colin in A Gentleman's Play. Full riding gear, cheeks bloodied from his first kill. Chop me, dude, he said, handing you in two twenties. Not Sir Colin must have seen the other guy's pay. I tried to make it light, rolling my eyes while bringing the edge of my hand down on his neck, Captain Kirk style. No, like across the front. Not Sir Colin explained, miming as if he were sawing his own head off. Fuck off, Ewan replied with a tight grin. The guy fumed for a minute, checked his phone, then split. A couple came looking for a threesome. I put them side by side and chopped them both with the same arm. Ewan cleaned out his Tupperware so we would have a place to stash the cash. I pulled out my phone and went straight to trending. Nothing. Then I searched by keyword. The photos were under hashtag franchise killer. Lane Lackey called while I still had my phone in hand. He followed up immediately with a text. I'm here, need to meet, ASAP, 911. A line was forming. Ewan and I shared a glance. Proceeds go to the Ken Allen Defense Fund, he said, wiggling his eyebrows. The last 18 years had prepared me for this. Near death turned me into a living, breathing inside joke. Now the whole world was lining up to deliver the punchline. I could let that beat me down or I could roll with it, but I couldn't avoid it. The time had come to show my chops. I chopped Jove Brand in white tie, and I chopped Jove Brand in his striped racing suit. I chopped my way through brand beauties of every color and gender. I chopped Sir Colin, and I chopped General Moon Sue. I even chopped some nutjob cosplaying as the Black Knight though I had to admit his black bodysuit and motorcycle helmet, tinted visor and all, were spot on. Unlike the bulk of his peers, the Black Knight spent as much time making sure he looked good in the costume as he must have sewing it together. But most of all, I chopped myself. Ken Allen after Ken Allen came to die in their baby blue shirts and salmon jackets. In true mirror match fashion, we traded chops or crossed arms like dueling swordsmen, I dove in headfirst, full of enthusiasm, smiling and thanking every last fam. I would convince the world I didn't kill Sir Colin if I had to do it one person at a time. The morning surge petered out into the dead zone before people got off work. Friday was usually our slow day, but here it was only half over and we had made more than $4,000. We'd also created enough buzz that attendees were detouring our way to see what the hubbub was all about, Most people passed by whispering, but one group lingered. There were four of them, three men and one woman, dressed in pseudo-tactical gear and sporting masks, real-life superheroes. In essence, a trumped-up citizen's patrol. It wasn't a new idea. New York had their guardian angels back in the 70s. They turned their backs to our table and started streaming, the leader pointing over his shoulder now and then. You know these guys, I asked Ewan. Nope. He dug out his program to do some research. They call themselves Street Justice, have a scheduled self-defense demo on Stage C. Says here they have ten black belts between the four of them. Well, sure, they need them to hang all those holsters. Most of the loops on their tactical gear were empty. These jokers were a prime example why pepper spray and tasers weren't allowed inside. Still, they didn't patch you down in Fresno. Tomorrow we're charging 50, Ewan said. He took out expenses before handing me a wad of ATM fresh bills. It was better to keep the cash in your pocket at these things. My half is bigger, I said. My donation to the Ken Allen Defense Fund. I evened the sheaves out. And here's my contribution to the children of Ewan Hung College Fund. If they throw me in prison, this side gig is going away. Ewan tried to wave me off. You can sign stuff from prison. Plus, when you die behind bars... Near-death memorabilia is going to shoot through the roof. I'm looking forward to my fat book deal. Ewan had to refuse three times, but on the fourth pass, I got him to take the weight off me. You lead, Ken, he said. I'll try not to step on your toes. It was our little inside joke. My two qualifications for the part of Joe Brandt were the looks and the moves. Every absurd, over-the-top fight scene in near-death was hatched in my immature, tasteless mind. The closest thing Ewan had to any training was being a salsa dancer on a cruise ship. It showed when we fought in near death. Mostly Ewan stood there pretending to get hit while I strung together ludicrous combinations of punches and kicks. Lane Lackey counted once, Moonsuit takes 57 hits to Brand's nine. I sold each of those nine hard, spinning through the air and crashing into walls in response to Ewan's suspiciously graceful blows. I thought for sure the networks would have film crews here, I said. That's because you aren't savvy, baby, Ewan replied. The showrunners locked them out, then sell them their house footage for six figures easy. Tell me we didn't sign a waiver. Ewan grinned. All part of the rental agreement, my naive sidekick. Wonderful. I checked my phone, fingers crossed hashtag franchise killer wasn't trending, and found a dozen missed calls and texts, all from Lane Lackey. The last read, VIP Cafe, I know what happened, I have proof. When I showed it to Ewan, he said, He's full of it, Lane is going to the hell of fruitless gossip. That a real place? Ewan rested a hand on his chin. Rumor has it. No one stopped me on my journey to the lounge reserved for convention guests, though some troll lurking in the crowd shouted, Killer Brand, when he saw me. The Black Knight was coming out of the lounge as I approached. He was in character, striding through the crowd like he expected it to part for him, which it did. Lane sure got to him fast. No such thing as too much content for jovebrandfan.com, and the Black Knight was Lane's type. I jogged to catch the door before it closed. The room was empty, except for Lane Lackey, who was crumpled against the far wall with a hand down his pants. I was halfway to him when I processed what I was seeing. Lane Lackey's throat had been crushed. His discolored neck was rapidly swelling. Hold on, I yelled at Lackey. The closest thing to a knife on the complimentary refreshment table was a bagel slicer. I didn't think to bring one. Let one guy with a collapsed airway die, shame on you. Let a second, shame on me. Lane wasn't looking good. I dialed 911 and put my phone on speaker to free up my hands. I fought to force air into Lane's lungs while informing the operator a person was choking to death and needed immediate medical attention. It was an exercise in futility. The killer was getting better at flattening windpipes. From the way Lane Lackey was folded against the wall, I was guessing they used a stomp. Probably started off with a shot to the groin, considering the way Lane was cradling his junk. But if you were kicked in the throat, wouldn't your hand go there instead? You crotch something, I asked. But Lane was past answering. With a sigh of resignation, I shoved my hand down Lane's pants. There was a flash drive nestled behind his privates, and I would go to my grave knowing Lane Lackey kept everything big smooth. I was looking for a place to boil my hand when I realized the killer had walked right past me. Helps on the way, I told Lane's lifeless body. Maybe the paramedics could revive him. If Lane Lackey beat the odds and lived, he could clear my name. Or I could catch the killer myself. The lounge door burst open before I was halfway across the room. A wiry guy, maybe 25 years old, rolled over the threshold. A heavier man executed a tactical entrance behind him, clearing the room with an imaginary rifle. A third man blocked the door. Air Rifle played spokesman. Face street justice. I walked forward, palms out. The killer is dressed as the Black Knight. Let's get him. On the ground. Citizens arrest, Air Rifle commanded. He was wearing a hockey goalie mask with a silver skull enameled on it. If it wasn't for the muffled lisp, he might have been intimidating. Yeah, said Wiry Guy. He had gone full tactical ninja, from split-toed boots to a hooded face mask. I didn't break stride. I don't have time for a playdate. They were more posing than taking up any kind of stance. Every second they held me up, the black knight got farther away. Tactical Ninja was closest, I didn't want to hit him in the head. I wasn't looking to alter the kid's future. I just needed him out of my way. I flicked my fingers to his eyeline and took out his leg. He was wearing hard knee pads, but had nothing shielding his thighs. My shin connected an inch above his knee, chopping down like an axe right on the sweet spot. He issued an involuntary yelp as he tumbled over. I stepped through and blasted a thrust kick into Air Rifle's hip-thigh junction. It was a tough spot to guard. The force sent him into the doorframe. Before he could recover, I swept out both his feet with a switch low kick. He hit the tile hard and stayed there. The guy blocking the door was dressed like a steampunk wizard. He swung a cane topped with a brass globe security should have never let through the door at my skull. I tracked the arc of his swing and didn't bother to block it. The cane bounced off the door frame and back into his head as I floated a right hand into his solar plexus fast and light. It took a second, but he went down, melting slowly into a crouch. Been there, felt that. The final street justice member, a young woman, was stationed outside the door. She was armored everywhere but her midriff and pointing a chunky black object at me. I ducked out of the line of fire and swept my arm in a tight arc. When our forearms connected, I jerked down hard. She snapped forward a step and involuntarily tossed what she was holding. I blurted an apology as I sprinted away. Pointing toward the remains of her digital camera, I said, tag me in that. I wove through the crowd, hunting for a black motorcycle helmet. Friday was the slow day, but there were still 10,000 people in the convention center. The black knight wasn't a featured guest, which meant he would have to exit through the main entrance. I followed the far wall around. It was the long way, distance-wise, but it was also the least congested. Paramedics were coming from the opposite direction. I pointed them toward the VIP lounge without breaking stride. I hit the food court full tilt, sending hot dogs and nachos into orbit. Killer brand, the troll shouted again, stretching the two words into a sentence. The gate guards were more confused than concerned. I didn't bother asking or explaining as I blasted the door open with my shoulder. The lot was packed with people and cars. I jumped on top of a table advertising the best cellular network in Fresno and checked the lot a section at a time. I heard the black knight before I saw him, his tires peeling out as his motorcycle issued a pitched roar. He was still in costume. It was the perfect getaway outfit, helmet and all. I recognized his ride right away. Any fan would. It was a Triumph Bonneville. The same model Jove Brand used.
0: That was fun for us, not for Ken, who appears to be hiding more than his fighting skills. In episode two, we dig into Ken's past and discover how the world's most celebrated actress ended up playing opposite such a lovable schlub. You'll want to stay tuned for this backstory. So don't forget to subscribe to CamCat Unwrapped. If you don't want to miss a beat, listen now on the audiobook platform of your choice. All our books are also available in print and ebook formats on camcatbooks.com or wherever books are sold. Before you go, please take a moment to leave us a review on your preferred podcast platform. Thanks so much. Camcat Unwrapped also offers other Camcat Books' as podcasts. Also, check out our interviews with authors, editors, and other bookworms, and our background episodes where we unwrap exclusive content relating to our books. Tune in again to Camcat Unwrapped. Because Camcat Unwrapped is where book lovers meet.